Hallelujah. Great to have testimony time and stir each other up in the goodness of God. And you can, and some people, when you hear testimonies, like, well, God hasn't done anything good for me yet. How about you stop that attitude and go, next? <laughs> you expect nothing, get nothing. Believe nothing, get nothing. Come on, Father, we thank you that your word says that you are no respecter of persons. As you've done for one, you'll do for another. I thank you, Father, that you are good. Your mercy endures forever. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that they are new every day. And so today, I just go ahead and receive your mercies over my life. Oh, just like the psalmist said, I don't forget your benefits that you daily load us with. I thank you, Lord, that you've forgiven all of my sins. You've healed all of my diseases. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I don't forget your benefits. I declare them. Just like this morning we were saying, Lord, I believe it. I believe it. Well, according to your words and according to your faith, be it unto you. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, how is everybody doing this morning? You ready to continue on in our series on Continue. And last week we were talking about how when, when the Lord says continue, that doesn't mean there's everything you need to continue doing. As the book of Hebrews says, let, said, let us lay aside every weight and every hindrance that would try to ensnare us or to stop you from moving forward. We're supposed to run our races unencumbered. What the Lord has set before us, we don't need to put weights on our own back. Come on, the enemy will already go ahead and give you enough obstacles to go around. You don't need to add them yourself and so when the Lord says continue in 2023 that doesn't mean that everything needs to keep going what you do need to continue in in what he has called you to and the calling he's placed upon your life and where he's called you to be you know Mitch and Marnie just got back from holidays and we were talking on Friday how when they crossed the border back into Canada it was like oh we're home. We're where we're supposed to be. And Marnie was sharing, you know, oh, we were thinking, you know, maybe we should move to Florida or whatever. And it's like, nope, you got to be where God has called you to be. And when you get where he's called you to be, man, there's a peace that can come over you. There's a supply because he equips you where he calls you. And some people get out and they're like, God, why does it seem like I'm always grinding my gears? Get where you're supposed to be. I like what Kenneth Copeland used to say for years and years. He's like, you find the church that God has called you to be, and you get in it, even if it's on the other side of the world. Come on, as Christians, we're like church shoppers. Like, oh, well, this one kind of seems nice this week. And then a month down the road, like, oh, they were not nice to me. I'm going to move on. No, that's not what determines where you go. You say, Lord, where would you have me to be? And then you get there. Come on. And so for those of you that God has called here, this is where you need to stay planted. God doesn't change his mind. He's not fickle. Come on. And so when we're talking about continue, it's not that everything needs to continue, but the things God has called you to are to continue. The things God said to believe, you're to continue believing. The things that God said to expect in your life, you're to continue expecting. Come on, it's easy to, for us to get down in the dumps and forget that we have a hope in Jesus. That there's a hope that we can stir up. As Paul said to Timothy, he said, stir up the gift of God that is in you. 
You can stir it up. Maybe you didn't feel like it when you got up this morning. Well, hopefully worship stirred you up. And if you weren't stirred by that, you can now go ahead by the Holy Spirit. Stir it up right now in expectation that, Lord, you have a word for me today. You have instructions for me today. You have things that will inspire me and anchor me today. And so we are to continue in the things that God has laid out in our lives and the things he's spoken in his word. And so last week we were in Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. Let's start there again today where Paul says, not that I've already attained, so I'm not perfect, I haven't got it all, done it all, I've not, I've not got to the end of what God has said. He says, or am I already perfected, but I press on. And press on, you can say he chose to continue. He said, I press on. He didn't say that God made him press on. He said that he had made the decision, I press on. Come on. I press on. I will continue. And he says that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has already laid hold of me. You know, you have to understand that the grace of God is flowing to you right now. There's a provision from on high that is flowing to you called the grace of God. I, lo- I love Romans chapter 5 where it says, By faith we have obtained our introduction into the grace in which we stand. There's God's side of it. His grace, His provision is flowing to you right now. Grace is His side Faith is your side. Grab and hold. God, I believe that what you said is there is there, and I receive it by faith. And that's why salvation, it says in Ephesians, that salvation is by grace through faith. There's a provision of God that I grabbed hold of by faith. And so Paul says here, I continue, I press on, and I lay hold hold of that which Christ Jesus has already laid hold of me. You know, when we're talking about continuing, I think if anybody has a a testimony of continuance, it's the Apostle Paul. And so I want to take a look this morning at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me just grab a squirt of water here. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And Paul says this in verse number 12. He says, But what I do, I will also continue to do. (laughs) So he's got a determination, and there's a specific topic he's talking about with the Corinthians here. He's just spent two chapters talking to them about giving and receiving. And in the context of chapter 11, he's saying, when I came to you, Corinthians, nobody gave nothing. I supplied my own needs. I did my own working. And he's like, and he says, and guess what? The Philippians we're giving what you should have been doing. But he said, I don't care about that. I'm going to continue to minister to you because that's what God has called me to do. And that's important. When things aren't going the way you thought they should in your life, you need to keep doing what you know you need to do. If he's called you to do something, despite of how it looks around, you keep going on. And so he's saying to the Corinthians, he's like, guys, you should have been supplying the needs of the ministry here, and you aren't. The Philippians are doing it for you, but I'm going to continue to minister. And he says this, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire 
an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things in which they boast. He's saying, by me standing and doing what I've been called to do, I cut off opportunity of those who would want to come in here and take advantage of you. Come on. It's not all about you, right? Paul's saying, I'm going to do what I need to do so that others can't manipulate you. Others can't take advantage of you. And they want an opportunity, but I'm going to cut it off by standing in my place. Come on, didn't we say with the definition of continue, it means to the advantage of being steadfast, that those who continue will have an advantage over those who don't. And so Paul says, by standing in my place, I'm standing as a shield, cutting off the opportunity of those who would like to manipulate you and take advantage of you. When you stand in your place in your life, you cut off opportunity of those who would like to take advantage of you and your family. Come on. The, the book of Deuteronomy says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. You choose life that you and your family may live. And so when you choose life and you choose to be a believer, you choose to stand on the promises of God and not be moved and shifted back and forth in the winds of change and everything that's going on in our society. When you choose life and stand in your place, there's an effect on your family. Come on. I, I don't, I'm not going to stand for my children getting swallowed up by the things of this world. I'm going to stand in my place. We need to be in our positions so that we cut off opportunity from those who would like to take advantage. And Paul says of those people wanting to take advantage of the Corinthians, he says, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. You know, anybody can make themselves look good for a season. Come on. I have a friend uh, who, uh, who grew up as a Satanist. And he was telling me, like, just wild, wild stories that before he came to Jesus, how him and the group of the occult that he was involved in over in Europe, that the thing that they prided themselves in doing is infiltrating churches and getting into positions of leadership, getting in as youth leaders over them, and, and manipulating and working pe people, good Christians, to commit suicide said man he's like you have no idea the amount of things that we were just able to walk right in because christians were ignorant didn't know who they were in christ jesus and so if when you hear paul say these things you're like oh no 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 yeah it wouldn't happen no people can put on a good face and he says there's false apostles and deceitful workers and they transform themselves into apostles of christ and he says for no wonder for satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light he makes himself look good in order to take advantage of you but when you got the holy spirit you know his voice and another you won't follow you don't get swept to and fro with what he wants to do and he says therefore it's it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works what paul is saying is their fruit will make it obvious their fruit will make it obvious jesus said you'll know 
my disciples by their fruit, by their love. It's easy to see what people are being manipulated by, by what they manifest out of themselves. Some of the people that consider themselves the most spiritual people in churches today are also the ones that cause the most damage and the most problems and stir up the most anxiety in others. Come on, you'll know them by their fruit. And so I say again, let no one think of me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool that I may boast a little. And let's drop down to verse 23. And he says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundantly, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, and in deaths often. You're like, oh, this is not an uplifting message, Pastor Jordan. No, 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 it is. I need to tell you something this morning when we're talking about continuing what you're going through and what you're experiencing is not an indicator of you being out of the will of God. So many Christians, as soon as they hit a bump in the road, they go, oh, well, I must have missed God. It's just not, not as easy as I thought it would be. No! The reason why you're experiencing these things is because the enemy does not want you to continue. He doesn't care about the one who sits on the couch doing nothing, but as soon as you stand up to believe, you got to know that he does not want you to do that. And so just because you stepped out in a direction, you're believing God, and all of a sudden opposition comes, don't go, oh, well, I guess I must have missed God. No! Continue! Paul said, I continue. What I've done, I will continue to do. And he says, I've been in labors more abundantly, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, and in deaths often. And he says, for from the Jews, five times, I received 40 stripes minus one. That's 39, in case you couldn't do the math. Five times, 39 stripes. And we think about Jesus once. Paul five times I think most of us probably would have gave up after the first time but Paul got up and he continued to do what he needed to do he said three times I was beaten with rods once I was stoned and not not in the drug sense talking about throwing big old rocks at the head till you're dead that's what happened when he was in the region of Galatia they stoned him until he looked like he was dead, because he probably was. And when do you stop throwing the rocks when you're stoning someone? When they stop moving. They all left, and the Christians came and surrounded him and raised him up from the dead. He says, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and the, a day I've been in the deep. Think about that. When was the last time you floated for a day and a night on a log in the middle of the Mediterranean. Come on, our lives are pretty easy compared to what others have had to go through for the cause of Christ. 
He said, in journeys often, and in perils of waters, and in perils of robbers, and in perils of my own countrymen, and in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, and in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, in weariness and in toil, and in sleeplessness often, and in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, and in cold and nakedness, besides the other things... What come upon me daily? My deep concern for the churches. Think about that. Paul names off all of these physical things that have tried to stop him from moving forward. And he said, the heaviest thing is my concern for the churches. Why do you think he prays for the Ephesians in chapter 1 and chapter 3? Philippians in chapter 1. Colossians in chapter 1. There was a deep concern and a weight that he didn't want them to be gobbled up like the enemy wanted. And that was his biggest weight. And so he says, who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is made to stumble? And do I not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. What is he saying there? He goes on to say in the next chapter uh, that there was those that were coming around behind him and trying to undo all the teaching that he had been doing. And he called them messengers of Satan sent to buffet him. And Paul said, if I'm going to boast in anything, I'm going to boast in my weakness because when I am weak, I know that he is strong. So I may be weak, but there is a strength that's going to come to me and through me and rest upon me as I continue in what God has called me to do and so whatever he's called you to do today do not look at the storms do not look at the obstacles do not look at all that is against you look only unto your God who has called you and will bring you through again and again and again and again for have I not saved you and will I not do it again says the Lord keep on going Keep on going. It doesn't matter what you see. Jesus wouldn't say, you can say unto the mountain, be removed, if there weren't going to be mountains pop up in the way. Mountains are not the problem. A lack of exercising our faith is. If there's a problem, it can be moved. If there's a situation you need changed, it can be changed. Paul may have floated for a day and a night, but he came out of the sea. He may have said, there's all these people trying to stop me, but he fulfilled his mission. What did God say to him at the very beginning after he had that experience on the Damascus Road? He said, I'm going to bring you before kings that you may testify. And what was he doing while floating in the sea? He was on his way to meet with Caesar. He was on his way to declare the gospel before King Agrippa. He was fulfilling his call even while floating in the sea. And so whatever stands before you, maybe you feel like you're floating and you're drifting, continue. Go on through. And he says that the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows I'm not lying. Paul said, you may say that I'm exaggerating about all these experiences. The book of Acts tells us them all. You can go back and read it. He says to them, guys, I'm not lying, and I will continue. 
So back to Philippians chapter 3. He says, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on or I continue that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. And brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize and the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now I said this last week and I'll say it again. If there's a high call, which is what the upward call means, that also means there's a low call. Don't settle for less. Come on. Don't settle for less. Getting better when you're sick, getting a little bit better is nice. Don't settle for a little. Go all the way. A little less pain in the joints is nice. How about let's go for no pain? Cancer starting to shrink is great. Cancer being gone is better. Being able to meet your bills this week is nice. Walking in abundance is better. Don't settle for less. Celebrate the small victories, but press on to the upward call of Christ Jesus. And he says, therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal this to you. And so basically he says, I don't care what you all think, this is true. And if you're really as mature as you thought you were, you would be agreeing with me. (laughs) And Paul says that several times through his epistles. He's just like, this is not up for negotiation. This is how it is. And so having a mindset of faith will draw you to continue. Because when you put your foot in the sand and say, I believe what God has said, and I will not settle for it any other way, faith stands. Faith is not moved. As the book of James says, don't be forgetful of who you are. Don't turn and be a double-minded man. Faith draws a line in the sand and says, this is how it is. It will draw you to continue. And that's why in this year of 2023, we've had so many messages on faith and we still have a whole bunch more in the fall here of 2023 to go because faith will cause you to continue when you want to give up. Faith will cause you to stand when you don't feel like standing anymore. And when everything gets blowing, nope, I shall not be moved. Come on. And so last week we mentioned Hebrews chapter 11. So let's look at it again. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13 in the Passion Translation talks about the heroes of faith of the Old Testament. And it says, these heroes all died still clinging to their faith. The promises that they were holding on to were from a covenant that didn't belong to them, that were ratified in Jesus' blood, and they were holding on, looking ahead to what was to come. And it says, not even receiving all that had been promised them, but they saw beyond the horizon the fulfillment of their promises. I love that statement. They saw beyond the horizon. One of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible says, I will lift up my eyes unto the mountains where my help comes from. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. They lifted up their eyes to the horizon. You know what's very tempting to do when we're in the midst of a problem? 
Look at everything that's going on. What, you know, we say the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You know, it, it starts to demand our attention. When things feel like they're closing in on you, lift up your eyes and look unto the Lord. It says they looked beyond the horizon to the fulfillment of their promises and they gladly embraced them from afar. And they all lived their lives on earth as those who belonged to another realm. For clearly those who live this way are longing for the appearing of a heavenly city. You know, it's very easy for us to get so wrapped up in this life and everything that's going on and forget that this is only for a season. We're going to spend eternity with Him in heaven. So I'm going to set my mind on things above and not things on the earth. We get so earthly. There used to be a saying, and I, I, I understand why people say it, oh, that person's so heavenly-minded, they're no, they're no earthly good. No, that's not true at all. Those that are heavenly minded do a whole lot of good here on the earth because they grab hold of the things of heaven and they release them here on earth that has been provided for the season, the time that we live in now. Go ahead and fix your eyes on heaven. There is no lack there. Go ahead and fix your eyes on heaven. There's no sorrow. There's no tears there. It has everything that you will ever need. And guess what? Heaven's not far away. It's right here it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You've been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. And so we need to be a little more heavenly minded so that we can be a little more earthly good in these t this time. Come on, we got to stop the complaining. Oh, it's so bad, it's so dark. You know, I said that a while ago that we need to keep declaring that we're living in great days. And one person who thought they were a spiritual Christian said, well, it just doesn't look very dark, uh, very light to me, doesn't look very great to me, doesn't look very good. Stop talking that way. I'm going to live in light even if you choose to live in darkness, right? We set our eyes on things above. And so they were looking for a heavenly city. And I love this verse, verse 15. It says, and if their hearts were still remembering what they left behind, they would have found an opportunity to go back. What did Paul say? I'm going to continue because when I continue, I cut off opportunity of those who would like to take advantage of you. And here the writer of Hebrews says, if they were thinking about then they're going to lose the opportunity to continue today. They're going to take up the opportunity to go back. And as I said last week, there's a reason why in our cars, our front windshield is bigger than our rearview mirror. You need to be focused on where you're going, not on where you came from. Whew! Well, in the time that we have left here, I want to go over to Colossians chapter 1. I've been wanting to get here to Colossians chapter 1 for a, like a month and a half now, and I've put it in several different sermons that we've done, and we never make it to it. And so here we are in Colossians chapter 1, and here we have Paul's prayer for the Colossians. Now, when we talk about Paul's prayers, Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3 seem to get all of the airtime and all of the focus. But Paul prayed for each of the churches he wrote to. The Philippians prayer is a great one, we just don't like it. 
Come on. Do you know what the, the, the Paul prayed for the Ephesians or the Philippians? That they would be like-minded, having the same love one for another. <laughs> we don't like to hear that. I don't want to love that person. I don't like them. You know, so sometimes when the Bible says things that are needful, we don't always receive them as needful. And Colossians often gets overlooked, but Paul prays for them in verse number 9 of chapter 1, and he says this, For this reason, we also, since we heard of it, heard of their faith, we do not cease to pray for you. Let's interpret that a little bit differently. We continue to pray for you. And I, I like that statement because there are things that you need to keep praying about. Not all things you need to keep praying about. A prayer of faith is one and done. You ask, you receive, you treat it as done, and you move into thanksgiving. A prayer of consecration is something you pray all the time. Lord, I submit my will to yours. Not what I want to do, but what you want to do. That's not a popular prayer in Christianity today. But I, one of the last prophecies that Brother Hagin gave before he went home to the Lord in 20, 2023 said, this generation, or, or 2003, <laughs> 20 years ago now, he, he said, this generation knows very little about consecration. We do what we want to do when we want to do it to our own detriment consecration says lord i will go where you want me to go i will do what you want me to do i'll say what you want me to say and i'll be what you want me to be that's a prayer we can pray every day multiple times a day we can consecrate our will unto his and so paul said in his prayer here for the, the, the colossians he's like i'm going to keep praying for this i've been praying and i'm not going to cease praying i'm going to continue and this is what he was praying over them that they would be filled with all the knowledge of his will he has a will you have a will and they're not always the same thing and so paul's prayer was god Show them your will, that they would know your will, that they would walk in your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I love that it says spiritual understanding because there's things that you know with your natural understanding, but when spiritual understanding rises up, you could be look like in the natural, this is what I should do, but my heart, my spirit is telling me this. There's a difference between what you know and what he knows. That wisdom and spiritual understanding needs to rise up. In the next verse he says, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work. Every good work. I think most of us would settle for, I want to be fruitful in some of my works, right? God's way calls you to be fruitful in every good work. But there's a lot of works that aren't his works, therefore they're not considered good. Okay, I'll stop meddling. But he says he's been calling you to be fruitful in every good work. I like what John chapter 15 says in having to be a talk about fruitful. In John 15, verse 1, and we'll read it out of the Passion Translation today, he says, this is Jesus speaking, he says, I am a true 
sprouting vine. Meaning things, things grow out of me. Come on. Things grow and flourish out of Jesus. And he says, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. And it says, he cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping them up, the fruit, uh, propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. So the Lord, he comes to the fruitless and he props them up to give them an environment in which to be fruitful. Why? Things generally don't grow well lying in the dirt. So he props them up, he supports them so that they can be fruitful. But the thing is, he will never work where he's not welcome. If you want him to support you and prop you up, go ahead and say, Lord, lift me up, <laughs> prop me up, that I may be fruitful. But what does he do with the ones that bear fruit? It says he prunes every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. And so he's not content with yesterday's fruit. He streamlines the, the bush so that it produces more. That kind of sounds like Hebrews chapter 12 that we read. Lay aside every weight and every sin that so, of, that so easily ensnares us so that we can run the race before us. And so the Lord will bring things to light and say, you know, this is fine, but it's really unnecessary. If you got rid of that, you'd learn to bear even more fruit. Come on. Some of the things we allow us to distract ourselves with are keeping us from optimizing our fruitfulness. And he says this, the words I have already spoken over you have already cleansed you. I like that. We're not talking about a sin issue. You've already been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. It's already washed you white as snow. We're talking about a focus and a priority issue. And so he says this, so you must remain in life union with me. Remain, another word for that would be continue. For I remain in life union with you. Meaning he's not going to loosen up his grip of grace on you. But he asks you to remain in that same life union with him. That's talking about faith. You stay hooked up. Remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. He'll never loosen his grip of, on you. He will never give you up. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he says, for as a branch that is severed from the vine will not bear fruit. So your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. And so when Paul's praying that you be fruitful in every good work, the only way that happens is by staying in that life union with Jesus. Drawing from those wells of salvation that he's provided for you. Verse 5 says, I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your 
source, as your source, not as the step-parent with occasional visitation rights. <laughs> no, as your source, it says, fruitfulness will stream from within you. I love that. Will stream from within you. Well, like Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, not just a little trickle. He's not interested in just filling one stream. He said streams, rivers, multiples. That's fruitfulness that comes from the Holy Spirit. And he says, but when you live separated from me, you are powerless. That's what Paul's talking about when he says that you would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, with all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Isn't it good to know He has qualified you? Come on, it's like when you go to the bank and you're signing up for one of those visa cards. You put your application in there and they say, you are qualified to be able to access so much. When it comes to God, He qualified you. You have access, full access, to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in the light. There is an inheritance that was left to you when Jesus said, it is finished, I'm done, I give up the ghost. Dead. When does a will come in force? When the person who wrote the will dies. Jesus died for you to leave you an inheritance. And so he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified me to be a partaker of the inheritance. A partaker of the inheritance. Say that with me. A partaker. A partaker. That's someone who accesses it and uses it. It's one thing to have something, it's another thing to use it. Come on, great Aunt Bertha kicks the bucket, and you get a notice from the lawyer, she's left you an inheritance, and you go, oh, that's so great, it's so great, and they say, here it is in this account. And then you live your life, and you never touch it. Come on, that's what a lot of Christians do with what Jesus has provided for them. He's called you and qualified you to be a partaker of the inheritance. It says he's delivered us from the power of darkness and he's conveyed us into the kingdom of his son, the son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. <laughs> and there's so much more great things that he goes on to say in that prayer, but I want to jump to the end where he says this. If, if, if indeed you continue in the faith. If is a conditional word, meaning you have the ability, the, well not ability, ability, let's get the right letter in there, you have the ability to do so where is your want to? He will never make your want to want to if you don't want to. But he says, 
if indeed you continue in the faith. Which means we started talking about Paul's trials and his persecutions, meaning you're going to have opportunities where you may not want to continue in the faith. Everything that Paul just prayed is contingent on you wanting to and choosing to and receiving to continue in faith. Being grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a minister. There's a verse that I thought of this morning that I really should have put in here, but Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, it says the gospel was preached to us and to them. Talking about the Jews and those who are now believing. And he said, but it didn't profit them not being mixed with faith. And so this morning I can preach till I'm blue in the face that you are qualified to be a partaker of the inheritance. But the only question that stands here at the end is, do you want to be a partaker of the things of the inheritance that Jesus has given to you? No one has access to your accounts but you. So here, it may seem like an odd spot to stop, but no one can answer these questions for you. When you're floating on the log in the sea for a day and the night, and everything tells you, I want to quit, I want to give up, this is not what I thought it was going to be. When you're going into the third beating with the rods, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to experience this anymore. When you're going into the fifth whipping of 39 lashes, I don't want to do this anymore. Come on, and I, if we look at our problems, they're really insignificant as to what Paul went through. You've not experienced those things literally, but we feel those pressures. When you're the one floating in the deep, do you want to continue and do you want to partake? I really hope your answer is, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. God, we give you all glory this morning. We give you praise, honor in this place. We thank you that because of the strength that we have in you, because of the wisdom that we receive from you, we thank you, Lord, that we are continually strengthened day after day, that we can walk in the things you've called us to by faith. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. In uh, just a moment, our Word Care team is going to be up here at the front, and they would love to pray with you, believe with you, agree with you, whatever it is that you need. They would love to be there and be able to stand in the gap for you this morning. Pastor Robin. Well, praise God. Um, we're going to continue on with our giving our tithes and offerings.
come in and uh, that's how you do it on the screen and or envelope in the pew in the basket at the back uh, but I wanted to just quote uh, Proverbs eleven twenty four, which is there was one who scatters yet and increases more there's one who scatters yet increase and increases more one of the challenges we face is to overcome the fear of giving into poverty and lack. And um, I got a hit with a, a Jerry Savelle post, and he said this, he quote, says this up, God never asks us to give to put us in a place of need. He asks us to give so that he can bless us with his best. And see, the devil knows that. So he doesn't want you to give. He doesn't want you to, to be part of the, the whole prosperity chain and the abundance chain to continue in. Don't settle for less, right? Don't settle for less, settle for more. More from a God that's more than enough, amen? Amen. And so the process being basically is, is as you give, it's given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom, amen? It's just, it's just the principles of God. It's how it works. But the main thing is, and, and it took me a little while to learn this, is to overcome the fear of giving myself into poverty and giving myself into lack. And God doesn't do that, do it that way. The devil's just lying. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, Pastor Wendy and I will be up here if you want prayer. We are in the, on the Word Care uh, pair this morning. And so if you need anything, please come up. We'd love to pray with you, just uh, you know, rejoice with you whatever, okay? Amen?